Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. We are translating to many different languages for listeners outside of the country, and we're very proud of that. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Come hell or high water, I'm here. Anyway, during this show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you may call in with your question and talk with our special guest tonight. As I've warned you many times, any buzz killers in chat or on the phone will be kicked out, and I have a copy of your number, so I'll call you back and bug you if you bug me. So please don't bug me. So be polite and play nice and make this a comfortable and nice place to visit on Fridays. I have just a few little announcements. Um, I have told you a few times Marilyn Salas' Creation Love Blessing is a beautiful little kit that I received, and I use it every day, and it's a mist. It has like 20 six uh, essential oils and she has a little uh, crystal in the front of it and she says she prays and meditates over every bottle and it's calming, relaxing, it smells like incense to me and it smells really good. So if you want to order yours, it's not too late to order for Christmas, contact Marilyn Salas at www.lovesblessing.com. And Serial International is actually the annual party is tomorrow on the Haunted Queen Mary and we're going to have a great time. And I understand there is a couple tickets available, probably just one or two. And you can actually get them on board and pay her in cash with the door. And they will be about, set you back about 60 bucks. But it's just beautiful, worth it. Beautiful, romantic scenery. You get to see all the Christmas lights and get to be on the water. And I don't go to the haunted parts because I'm too scared of big chickens. So anyway, Come and meet us. We all dress up and have a wonderful time. If you do want to be part of the gift exchange, you do have to have bring a wrapped gift. And uh, they're asking it to be at least like, you know, $15, $25. And bring one, you get one. It's easy as that. So anyway, it's tomorrow night, and we're going to be up there about 6 o'clock. And this, it starts around 7, but be, be ready about 6. Anyway, see you over there, and I'm looking forward to this. And, of course, Chris and Tracy Simpson, my cousins out of Texas, have their ghost tours, and they're called the ghost, the Texas Ghost Trackers. I love them very much, so if you're in Texas and want to get our ghost tour, call Chris or Tracy Simpson, 713-562-0429, or go to their website, www.texas-ghost-tours.com. And you probably don't want to hear this from me before the holiday food fests are over, but check out my friend, Katina Morris. She's a representative of V-Shape, a healthy way of eating with these delicious weight management products. 
The cookie, snacks, cereal, and nutritional shake mixes come in pre-measured packs, and they're very portable, good, because I take them with me to work, and will help you succeed with your healthier choices. Her phone number is 310-883-3855, or you can reach her at Katina Morris, with two R's, at yahoo.com. And we do have a few birthdays today. I want to give a shout-out to them. Michael Steele and Rizzo Radnick, and also... Eben Alexander. I was going to say Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't know why I was going to say that. Anyway, Nancy Young Warmke, uh, Curtis Kinnish, and uh, I want to tell you that my friend, the lead singer of Snoo, uh, Curtis uh, Don Vito, it was his birthday uh, very shortly. It was yesterday, and I want to wish him a happy birthday. I love you, Curtis. Take care. Anyway, I want to introduce our awesome guest tonight. He's a very interesting man. He's called the Paranormal High, Highwayman. His name is David H. Laurie. And uh, he's a loner preferring to meet ghosts head-on, experimenting with ways of strengthening them and seeking out the places they hide. He has, a, he has a lifelong interest in the paranormal and it's turned into a passion that takes him to the four corners of our great country and beyond. Forever seeking the holy grail of the paranormal researchers, indisputable proof of existence. His methods and equipment are cutting edge in a rapidly changing field of research and investigation. Numerous popular popular television shows have fostered an explosion of interest in ghosts, and many people are taking digital cameras, digital voice recorders, and flashlights in hand to hunt spirits of all places. We're not pursuing uh, spirits. David speaks to all kinds of groups and events and sharing his frightening experiences and teaching how ghosts are not occult or fantasies, but just energy and science. You know, we want to hear a lot about this. He explains theory and equipment used, and we're just we hardly wait to get him on here. So I'm going to welcome him on, and we want to welcome you, David, the paranormal sake of your Thank life. You. You're very yeah, welcome. Here I am. There you are. And um, thank you for... Uh, coming on with us tonight and uh the show is about all things paranormal and uh we just uh, came across you and uh you have a very interesting life and you know some people that i know and uh uh we we're just talking to him a little bit before we came on but why don't you give us your background like where you were raised and uh, when you became interested in the paranormal yeah okay well i am from the Excuse me, Central Illinois area, uh, all of my life, uh, various parts, uh, mostly around uh, Springfield, of course, the, uh, the capital of Illinois, right in the middle. Um, my interest in the paranormal actually started uh, right after I I learned to read. I would say the first uh, uh, book I picked up was on UFOs, and uh, I was kind of glued to anything that came out like that uh, from then on. Uh, heavily into UFOs as a child. Um then I switched off as I got older. I started, uh, we lived on a farm, and I would go out hunting and things, and so I really became interested in Bigfoot. And uh, I switched over to Bigfoot as a teenager and, uh, again, researched as much as I could and, and going out in the woods and looking for things, you know. And uh, um, then uh, I would say around 1718, I started uh I was I actually had some experience DJing, and I actually started at uh, what was a teenage, like a teenage disco kind of thing. It was so popular back then, but it was in a very haunted, very historic uh, nightclub in Springfield called the Lake Club, and they had a very famous ghost there, and I had a few experiences with him, and that kind of turned me over to ghosts then from there on out. So, 
And uh, so I spent the longest time hearing the ghost, but I still follow uh, all three disciplines and uh, just love the paranormal in general. Yeah, I didn't know till today that you were interested in UFOs. So did you ever... I lost you there. Can you hear me? I lost I lost everything. Okay. I'm sure having problems with my computer. Okay. Stop that. You've been listening, right? Huh? You've been listening, right? Yeah. And she she's gone too. Huh? She's gone too. I lost everything. I couldn't get in anywhere. It's just everything. My even my computer shut off. Okay. Get back on there. Hello, David. I am very sorry that this happens to the show once in a while. I think when we first start, that this happens, and um, I don't get it. Anyway, David, are you with us? <laughs> yes, I'm with you. I think as soon as we brought up ghosts, blam, that or UFOs. They love They're messing insane. with this stuff, I tell you. They do. <laughs> it's so irritating. And I was thinking, gosh, look how calm everything is. Nope, that's not it. So let's go. <laughs> I was asking again, I guess I wasn't supposed to be asking, but did you have any UFO experiences as a child? Um, you know, <laughs> the the funniest experience I, I talk about, uh, I was, I had been reading uh, a lot about Dr. J. Allen Hynek, of course, a kind of a, kind of um, right. one of the superstars of, of UFOs. And my sister actually worked at Northwestern University in Chicago, and I got to go up and stay with her. And I decided I was going to go talk to Dr. Heineck, and uh, I, I, like 10 years old, I think, I'm marching up into his office, you know, and the secretary tells me he's out, and I'm like, oh, goodness, and I rode back down in the elevator with this older gentleman, and he was nice, and we talked to him a little bit, and I saw a picture later of, of Dr. Heineck and realized I rode down the elevator with him, so I missed my chance. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> you know, you were very but, uh, courageous as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I've always been a little forward. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I know I did see one. Actually, uh, it was uh, 1993, uh, Halloween of 1993. Uh, we were at a, a bonfire, a wing roast kind of thing uh, that uh, some friends were throwing for Halloween. And it was a really cloudy, stormy night. You know, there were lots of big thunderheads and things. And this was... Um, right at about dusk, and I was looking up in the sky for some reason, and I saw the classic ship shape, you know, uh, like two dinner plates uh, stacked on top of each other and looked like a little roll of portholes around the bottom, and this thing cruised from one thunderhead into the other just noiselessly, and it was pretty good size. It wasn't uh, as far as the ground as what you think. I got to see pretty good detail, <clears throat> and uh, 
I was trying to, to motion to pit my wife to get her to look, but all that came out was, ar, 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 you know, <laughs> couldn't get her yeah. to see before it was gone. So, and of course, no camera handy, you know, but uh, uh, that, an experience like that will definitely uh, kind of change your perspective on everything. Right. It's, uh, yeah, I, I have had UFO sightings too, and I did the same thing. I was almost too stunned to move, but I did ask. You know, somebody did you see that? And we were both watching it. So it's Good. quite stunning. And I wonder at times if you know it presents itself almost intentionally, but it has a, a profound effect on everybody, almost without yeah. fail. You're stunned at the time, and you go from you know guessing that it's real to knowing that they're real. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I've had a couple of strange experiences like that in my life when I actually switched from, from um, I kind of lost interest in Bigfoots there all of a sudden, Bigfoots, in Bigfoot all of a sudden they're, uh, uh, like I said, around 16, 17, and um, uh, I became really terrified of the things, and we've never been able to figure out why. Um, until I like to say I, I'm not afraid of any ghost or demon or anything like that. It doesn't scare me, but Bigfoot scares the stuff of it of me. So, but um, I was at a meeting here uh, last year, um, and a friend said that Bigfoot had been seen on the Hobbs farm, and that was the farm right next door to where I used to do all my all my hunting trips and research and everything like that. And um, I've had a couple of uh, psychiatrists tell me that I may be blocking since I was so young. I may have had an experience, and it'd be so terrifying I didn't want to remember it, you know, like a lot of children will, or um, immature minds like that will. And um, I, I guess that's a possibility. I need to be regressed or something to see if I can find out if that's what that was. Well, I think no, that, uh, yeah, because uh, some of this information, I think, Many of us that are experiences of one way or another can only take in yeah. just so much information, and then we block it for our own safety. But I think it's pretty horrifying yeah. to see a Bigfoot. It's kind of unimaginable yeah. to me. I'd rather, like, I, okay, aliens are bad enough, but now you have this quasi-human furry thing out here living up in the high Sierras or wherever they are. Exactly. Well, you know... Um, it's strange when we talk about aliens like that, too, and possible blocked encounters. To me, most horror films and that sort of thing don't upset me, really. I don't really get a whole lot of fear out of them. But to me, the most frightening image that I've ever seen in a movie is actually of the gray. Remember the movie Communion, of course? Yes. The gray peeks around the corner into the bedroom and then back. That, was that is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like I've seen this before. Well, I think and it, well, it, it was really actually <laughs> it was actually standing in the shadow of the TV and kind of peeked around. Yeah, that was horrible. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. it scared the hell out. The whole I read the book before I saw the movie. It scared the hell out yeah. of me. The creep factor. I kept looking over my shoulder. I was stunned. I was traumatized. You know, it was yeah. just a uh, you know. So there, I feel that we're recognizing some element of truth to all these experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's it's funny when you get involved in all three, like I am, you start to see some correlations into them. Um, we, when we're, uh, when a paranormal group is in a cemetery, 
uh, had a good example here here uh, locally of uh, uh, one of my actually my home paranormal group that I that I always helped. My sister in law actually founded. Um, they were in a cemetery one night and sitting down doing an EVP session, and they started getting pelted by rocks from the woods. And um, they all got up and freaked out and, of course, all run to the car. And looking later, they could not find those stones anywhere, you know, anywhere on the road or anything like that. They had to have come from somewhere in the timber or something. Um, they could find, actually, the rocks that were thrown laying around there. And um, we know a lot of times with Bigfoot sightings, there are UFO sightings in conjunction with them, too. So it seems like there's a lot of uh, correlation in them. That's something to explore. It is, yeah, it's so it's so strange that I can't put those two together. But then again, people are saying that they have seen these things when they've been abducted aboard ships and stuff like that, and I can't I can't wrap yeah. my head around them. I know it. I know it. I think uh, <laughs> as we get further into this, we're going to have to really expand our minds a little bit. We start finding out some of the things that uh, we just don't know about now. It's uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to comprehend, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, we've got to get out of shock and um, kind of, like you said, open our mind. But um, also, yeah. uh, I believe in free will. So we're going to have to uh, get some kind of strength because the fear and the impact is, I think when you're a, you're a kid, you can't mm-hmm. uh, handle it. So you scream and run. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, yeah. I'm still doing the same thing when I'm a kid. If I see something, whatever, I cover my head up. And that's really going to chase away yeah. anything that's after me. You know, and I think that's I why. Because I go to groups, and we all talk about something, and the, and the group leader asks, well, what did you do? Well, I cover my head up with a blanket, and I turn the light <laughs> on, and I'm not going to look anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just a weird reaction, what... really. <laughs> kidding. That's I have um, through the years doing residential paranormal investigations. Uh, one common factor I saw a lot of times was you would have the families and the kids are having experiences and the wife is having experiences, and you have the dad saying, "No, no, I don't see it." You know. I finally figured out over the years that that's macho. Dad is scared to death, but he's not going to admit it because he's a protector. You know, he he can't say that he's just as scared as the kids by this thing. Yeah, so he'll just deny it to anybody who who says it. You know, but he's actually having experiences and doesn't want to admit that he's he's frightened. So yeah, <laughs> that's like uh, that, a lot. that makes sense because. Uh, the man is like the natural protector of the house, and if he can't protect the house, you know, he right. has to block yeah. it. You know, I can't right. they don't he even act like they, they don't acknowledge it at all. Sometimes, right? right. Yeah, mm. that seems to be how it works. <laughs> so you call yeah. yourself the Paranormal Highwayman? How did you get that name? That came about back um, <clears throat> many years ago. Uh, just kind of stuck as a as a. Um, uh, my dad passed away. Oh, I guess coming up about twenty eight years ago now, and um, he was he was actually a, an Illinois deep coal miner, and you know Big Roy, everybody called him. He was healthy, big, healthy, muscular, you know, uh, really strong man, and uh, retired after twenty five years in the mine. Uh, his doctor said he didn't have any black lung, and uh, he he was healthy as a horse, 
And uh, two weeks later, um, an aortic aneurysm took him in eight hours. And, uh, you know, it's just, and he got to enjoy four years of retirement. And uh, I started thinking about everything I wanted to do. And I started telling people, I said, you know, I'm, getting old enough and I'm, I'm tired of the rat race and I would just want to go and I want to hit the road and look for the paranormal. And <laughs> that's okay. Friends started picking that up and they, they turned it into paranormal highwaymen and it's just kind of stuck now. So that's well, always cool. been my goal. I'm not going down like him by golly. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it. So, and then the crazy thing is I had one exactly like his. I've had, I've had numerous medical problems here stopping me uh, mm-hmm. or delaying my trips and things. Uh, I actually had a an aortic aneurysm just like his, and uh, they found mine fortunately and fixed it, and uh, uh, it's all all fixed now. So I'll be okay there. But I've had other crazy things yeah. happen. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's I'm really glad that you're okay, and uh, because a lot of us like we're dropping like flies. I got sick with some kind of uh, weird. Um, uh, thyroid thing, so I need surgery for that. It's like we're all like really challenged. People in this field seem to be challenged. I don't know if it's because we're in a high state of of whatever, or I don't get it, or maybe it's just getting yeah. older. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not giving up. The common denominator, I say, is fibromyalgia. I've never seen one group of people have so many cases of fibromyalgia in it. It's just. Uh, it's strange. It seems like, uh, you know, just about every woman investigator you speak to is, is suffering from fibromyalgia. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it's just the atmosphere we deal with or, or the, the things or quite what. So, well, my condition exactly is rare. Right. Yeah, and my mm-hmm. condition is rare, and it's a lot of times it's from exposure to excess radiation. And I don't uh, know. What, no. So... Uh, I actually mm-hmm. had to join a couple of support groups because a lot of doctors haven't heard of it. You know, I've had this oh, diagnosis wow. since last November, and it's causing me quite a bit of trouble. And uh, I'm meeting with the surgeon next Friday. Hopefully, I'll get because the only cure is taking it out. You can't uh, you can't take a drug to get rid of it. You've got to actually get you right. know, just take it out. So I wish yeah. that happened soon because they're they're actually saying it's a hundred percent recovery. So oh, that's, that's good. what I'm hoping that's for. Good. Yeah. 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 But the radiation thing is strange, yeah. Wow. As a yeah. matter of fact, yeah. they, some some uh, uh, paper and research on it says uh, the Chernobyl victims uh, have a lot yeah. of this. So when, was, when did I get Chernobyl levels radiation? <laughs> you see? Yeah, well, you abducted and taken to Chernobyl for some reason, yeah. I know. Wow. It's weird, and it's weird because uh, I got that diagnosis last November, but four years before that, I stopped using a microwave. I started feeling like, I don't think I need this kind of stuff in my house, so I'm like an old-school O'Keefe Merritt stove. That's what I cook on. I don't have a microwave. Flabbergasted when I say that. Even my coworker, I said during a meeting one time, they looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I don't have a microwave. I just cook. Remember that? Yeah. You're probably just... You're probably a smart one amongst us there. Then uh, who knows how all these yeah. things are affecting us? Uh, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want that problem. So anyway, so uh, as a paranormal highwayman, you have run into many different people along the way. And did you ever meet somebody that was so odd that 
you know, they stood out and you remember them? Like odd oh, people. Oh, yeah. 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 You get quite a few like that. Um, I've had, especially when you get to dealing with residential hauntings and things, uh, yeah, you run into some, some uh, real characters out there. Definitely. Uh, the, uh, uh, I met a guy in Memphis once who uh, told me that his um, uh, his bar that he owned was very haunted. And uh, talked to me. He called himself Prince Mongo. Anybody, uh, any of your listeners from Memphis know Prince Mongo? Uh, he actually ran for mayor a few times. But uh, his bar, he had, you know, the front yard was full of mannequins and it had plastic chairs nailed to it here and there on the outer walls and things. And he was just a strange bird, always barefoot and always. Uh, just weird clothes and, and everything, and uh, he was he was very uh, uh, he was very interested in talking to paranormal with me and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, you you definitely uh, find the strange in our field. Yeah, yeah, you do. And uh, did you ever run across because there's a lot of gifted people in our field, and I feel like that you're probably using your sixth sense a lot of times too. Have you ever talked to somebody yeah. that's just you know they're flat out lying? Um, yeah, yeah, that happens. I don't like to say that they're lying, but I like to think of it more as they're trying to fit in. Uh, you know, they they okay. want to be with a group of people and, and uh, you know, so they're going to, um, they're going to say things and, and try and get things that they may not actually be feeling just to kind of fit in. It almost, I guess I'm too kind hearted. I almost have to feel sorry. You for really them. are. And, what a nice guy. You said, I was out you are. I was out in Roswell one time, and I was helping, I was uh, manning the book table for a friend of mine. And this guy comes mm-hmm. started talking about it. He said that he was being hired by the military police, that he is able to do surgery at a distance. And I was thinking, I've heard this before, but I don't want to. He, he just looked like a normal guy in a T-shirt and jeans and a little bit cuckoo, yeah. but and then the next guy came up yeah. and he said he was able to stop the tide away, tides and the waves, but he decided he didn't want to do it anymore because it might mess up <laughs> the world balance or something. I went, man, this is getting far out. Yeah, you were you must have been close to a community of cuckoos there or something. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> cuckoo Central. Exactly. I like it. <laughs> The weirder the story, the better, but it's just hard to do. The surgery at the distance, uh, the stopping the waves was intense, but the the surgery from a distance, I mean, that's like some mishmash that we've heard since the sort of uh, New Age movement, really, that people could do this. I do believe in distant viewing, though. I don't know if you do. Yeah, okay. Enter just as viewers, and uh, yeah, they're remote the viewers. They get amaze me. Yeah, yeah, they're remote viewers, definitely. Uh, good friend Harvey Althaus, uh, actually out there in your area. Uh, Harvey amazes me with some things he gets right here at Ashmore. Oh yeah, and uh, you know he tells me is this and this and this here and there, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, okay, you've seen the place, and and you're like looking here. So yeah, yeah, I've been yeah, told that. Yeah, but um, if I just exercise it more, but I'm not sure if I want to. (laughs) Not sure uh, I get into it and not be able to control it or something like that. I still need to learn more about it, but 
Um, I've been told I do. And I think every investigator, after a certain amount of time in the field, you get a lot more sensitive to things. You know, pretty soon somebody who maybe is as psychic as a rock, you know, can still go down the street and look at a house and go, oh, there's something in there. You know, you kind of yeah. just get that sense after a while, I think, even even um, if you don't have the abilities, they, they start to. So. Yeah. I think we all have this for a reason. This is just uh, we've been taught to fear it along the, the you know, along uh, with uh, religious persecution and all that. It's the fear of being different, you know, and not yeah. fitting in. And so people tended to be sort of like homogenized, you know, in the 50s, let's say, and we're not really that far away from that time where I think the current the current trend, though, is just to be yourself and just try to get out of that. I know there's a lot of uh, horrible uh, things going on in the world, you know, the way le- left yeah. and very ultra-conservatives, but predominantly I think people are stepping out to do what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very true. Very true. Certainly, the internet and things like that have played a lot of a lot of part in people discovering things about themselves and other people and finding similarities and differences. And not real sure where it's all going to turn out yet, but it's definitely changing things. Right. So, what do what do you find is you know the most frustrating or difficult things about the uh, going into the paranormal field? Um, I think it's really, I, I tell people that it's like any science that is in its, in its infancy, um, the disorganization, the arguments, the, um, you know, not being able to put facts together because of just the difference in people and things. Um, we talk, I, I'm a big proponent of paranormal unity and people getting along and, and uh, you know, cooperating and stuff and trying to reach for one goal. Um, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. There's a lot of egos in the field right now. There's a lot of people who want TV shows and that's their main goal, you know, and they don't really care who they step on, you know, to get around to that. And uh, mm-hmm. um it just there there's just a whole lot of personalities right now and for us to become a real science and to be accepted by science a lot of that's going to have to change and i think that's real frustrating to me is uh, people don't comprehend that we're going to have to start having some structure to this thing and comparing results and things and start coming down to hard hard data <laughs> you know, right to, to, um there is yeah, a so couple I, I think of the ghost hunter and I'm not going to say their names but uh some people felt kind of ripped off it that people aren't following through with the uh let's say there's a function everybody pays and then the the function's canceled and they never do make it up you know I I personally feel that uh if you take money and you don't have the function you should uh, send it back and just be professional but some are saying that they didn't get their money back. Anyway, it's a whole big, huge thing now. The la- yeah, some lack yeah, of trust. It's happened. It's happened in the ghost field. It's happened in the alien field. So, what is up? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not sure uh, whether they're biting off more than they can chew, or they're just not good people. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to tell, but you certainly have to be careful if you're going to send money to one of these groups. To make sure they're reputable and have a. Uh, have a track record or something you could talk to some people and make sure that they've done this sort of thing before and if not just be extra careful um 
there's a big yeah. thing going on right now. There's a, a piece of equipment uh, that's supposed to be made in Italy that they've been working on, and they've been pre-selling these things. And I won't mention any names or anything. I think everybody probably who is familiar with them will know. But uh, this piece of equipment's rather expensive. And they keep putting off the release date, putting off the release date. And I'm starting to get this sinking suspicion that something going on here. You know, they're, uh, I don't know whether they're going to be taken or if this thing's ever going to come to fruition or quite what. And, uh, you know, you have hmm. to be careful with your money these days. Well, they either be better uh, file for bankruptcy or pay these people back or come up with some kind of plan to raise exactly. the money to do something because I feel like this is uh, getting to be ridiculous because so many people are now involved, especially if we could do stuff over the Internet and have televised things and stuff like that. I know three big things that happened recently that I was disappointed with those people and it makes them hesitate because I know we want unity. But then uh, I think you have to use your instinct. But when everybody's for it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you get swept up yeah. in the excitement of it all, and then pretty soon you get burned. Yeah. It's just not fair. Yeah. Right, right. And that's certainly, uh, and that looks bad on all of us, too. You know, we don't want that sort of thing happening. That's what I mean. We have um, our image in the public right now can be tarnished very easily. Uh, the kids down south that burned down the, the plantation posing as they were ghost hunters. You know, and I said they just went that and was tore ridiculous. stuff up and burned the place down. Yeah, you know, that they sort did, of thing They burned the place bad. down. So, yeah. That was horrible. You just go visiting and then you burn it down. <laughs> it's just like, what the yeah. hell? But yeah. anyway, God. Uh I don't know. I think that's real stupidity. Yeah. What's going to yeah. happen is they're going to have to take out insurance before they enter the list. What's going to happen is because the squeeze is going to be on. Because there's a lot of times yeah. here, even to have, let's say, uh, Hispanics uh, have the quinceañeras and stuff like that, you have to take insurance out in that building because a lot of people are going to show yeah. up. Uh, they have to right. take insurance and get bodyguards. You know, just for having their uh, their sweet sixteen party, their sweet fifteen party. Oh man! You know yeah. it is. So yeah. it might start getting like that, where people say, "Okay, you're gonna have to go around with this insurance." You know, for mm-hmm. uh, you know, anyway, maybe someday something yep. will happen, like a malpractice thing or stuff like that. You know, people better be careful because if it ever gets really organized. And if there's a kind of yeah. a ghost union, I don't know. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> there's a UFO or ghost. <laughs> there's an alien union over here, and then there's a ghost union. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think that we just have to be responsible and uh, yeah. try not to have all this stuff happen. And I know that you're in the thick of it, so uh, yeah. you must yeah. know a lot about it. You know yeah, I mean? we really so, have to. It's strange that the the investigator almost has to has to uh, almost have to kind of police everything like that. We have to watch the cemeteries now. You know, if teenagers go in there and tear it up, you know, are they going to blame the ghost hunters? You know, it's uh, uh, we kind of have to watch for things like that now and and let the proper authorities know if you see anything suspicious and and go, hey, it's not ghost hunters. <laughs> it's teenagers, not us. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gosh, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard. Yeah, something. In uh, Miss Iris and uh, the blog is saying just like uh, a license or permit or something like that, a permit to go into a place. Now, that would be kind of a doable thing, the permit situation, to me. 
actually would people are just doing yeah. whatever they want now, but I think a permit could actually uh help the situation mhm there have been uh, there have been attempts and things to have certified ghost hunters and that you know most of it uh, there's no the problem is i but again it's back to that structure there's no structure to it there's no one governing body or kind of thing that may be something we have to have um to uh that kind of controls the, the entire industry kind of whether that's you know yeah. but uh we gotta have something like that yeah you're right that uh, something yeah. like that might work a permit or a certification or license or something you know yeah that might be uh, well, have to do eventually. So, yeah just something so it'd be a little more professional and a little more organized yeah. and they know what you're doing out there and uh you know rather than that'll take notice of people just you know running around destroying property which could yeah. so easily happen as it has happened but even i think mm-hmm. we have to use a lot of respect uh because the places you go could be sacred ground yeah yeah very true very true yeah that's uh that kind of scares me if uh you know with the entire field growing the way it is thanks to tv shows and things you get a lot of people that that don't understand that and don't really care about it, you know, and they just want to get in and have fun and tear stuff up and uh, get drunk or whatever, you know, it, it exactly. makes us all look bad. Yeah. Definitely. And then, uh, mm-hmm. okay, so we uh, know from Mitchell, the Booth brothers, uh, uh, we both know them, and they uh, began, I had knowledge of the Ashford Estates because of uh, mm-hmm. the Booth brothers. And uh, right. you have now somehow you're taking care of the, uh, you're taking care of the place, which <laughs> needs to be done because I know they were working on it before. Ashmore Estates, for the people listening, is a beautiful estate. Where is it at? It's actually just outside of Ashmore, Illinois, in between Ashmore and Charleston, Illinois, in the uh, eastern part of central Illinois, in uh, yeah. Coles County. Yeah, and it's a beautiful um, yeah, place. Oh, it is. It um, it was one of the, I think, one of the nicest, uh, what was called back then, almshouse. Uh, it was the poor farm, basically. Um, you know, it's a place before welfare where if you could not afford to live, you were the county would put you in here and take care of you. Uh, it was a full working farm here. Uh, they raised all their own crops and, and livestock and supported themselves. So everybody kind of had to work. But, you know, if, for a family who lost a father or something like that, it was certainly, uh, I would think it would be a godsend to get in here. And um, this one was, was pretty nice. Terrazzo marble floors and dressed brick and um the the previous one on this location wasn't very nice and I think that's why they kinda overdid it when Colt County built this one. So uh built yeah. in nineteen sixteen. So yeah. Yes. Isn't it uh sort of gothic? Uh, what would you call the design of it? Yeah, I think they have. I think they called it um Gothic Renaissance or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was very nice. Real high arch tile roof and everything originally and uh um, pretty ornate uh, brick and, and uh, concrete work on it. And all concrete construction, which for 1916 was very rare. Um, so it, it took a lot of man hours and, and a lot of money in those days, too. So, yeah. Well, how did but, you get um, involved with the place? Well, through the years, uh, it's been several different things. It became a psychiatric hospital, it became a home for developmentally disabled. Uh, sat abandoned for a long time, became a place for the college kids of the local community to come out and have parties and, and tear stuff up and uh, 
Um, <laughs> most of them got scared away by our our dead residents, though. I've heard a lot of a lot of horror stories like that have been lasting about 15 minutes in the building before they got run out. Uh, but um, it, then it became a commercial haunted house for a while. But it was just in really bad disrepair. Uh, in 2012, a tornado came through and actually tore the original roof off and dumped it on the front of the building. And everybody was afraid he was just going to kind of uh, come, you know, a ruin then and just really torn down. And uh, a good friend of mine named Robin Terry uh, actually bought it uh, a year ago, May. Uh, so he's had it like a year and a half now. And uh, I was actually planning my big trip coming up is going to be down to 66 looking for the paranormal. And I was in the midst of planning that. I was had been doing it for a while, and I had my medical issues kind of slowing me down, and I was getting a little burned out. And I love this building. I had been in it before. And when I found out he was buying it, I was like, hey, you're going to need somebody to take care of it. Uh, I don't have a life right now. I'll do it, you know. So a little mobile home on the property, and I moved in over here, and and him and I and lots of other people coming in, investigative teams and things. uh, uh, We just had an amazing amount of volunteers and getting the place fixed up, and Robin's just been amazing. He has done so much to this building. People just don't believe it now, how nice it is. Replaced Mm -hmm. all the windows and but, you know, him and I kind of set the goal for it to be the most comfortable place to investigate in America. And uh, we think it's like that. We have kitchen facilities. We have a shower. We have bathrooms. We have uh, little bunkhouses outside you can, the investigators can rent and sleep in. And, and just uh, we try and make it comfortable. You know, it's uh, uh, the only thing I guess the building doesn't. But upstairs, you know, and and throughout the building, except for one small area, it's still the way it was. It's still very abandoned, peeling paint, falling mm-hmm. plaster, you know. And, of course, the spirits are all still there, too. So uh, the activity... Well, that's what I was going to say. There. What are your findings, yeah. and what's the scariest thing that ever happened over there? Oh, it's uh, we get a lot of shadow movement. Uh, we get a lot of disembodied voices. Uh, EVPs are good. They respond well to K2s. Uh, they love your batteries. They'll drain your batteries the minute you get in here. They're really figuring out how to do that, turn off cameras and things. Um, I always I tell people on the tours that the, one of the main reasons I'm here is very early in the cleanup. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, probably approaching 30 years off and on at different levels. And it takes a lot to freak me out, uh, you know, or to scare me really bad. Uh, I'm middle, 6.30 in the morning. I had just begun sweeping underneath a, an open stairway, open staircase here in a newer part of the building. And, you know, disembodied voices, normally you get one or two words, you know. I had what sounded like a teenage girl standing behind me just say clear out of the blue, for fun, I like to hide under here. <laughs> For there to be a whole sentence like that and nobody around, I had to go sit down for a while. It was, that was just the strangest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. So, and it kind of convinced me that I needed to be here for a while just to figure this place out. Well, what do you, what do you think all that is? (laughs) Oh boy. I think because of, um, I'm good. I think just because of the energy of the place, uh, especially the psychiatric hospital, added a lot. Uh, the uh, the depression and things of of the bad times, uh, certainly through the depression and uh, even before uh, the poor farm. 
it's just the and being the construction is it's just like the energy is just kind of trapped in here and uh um mm-hmm. spirits spirits are pretty nice we've got some we've got some decent people there we're getting to know a few of them and and uh, we have a lot of the history of the poor farm and everything a lot of the names have died by record over 200 who passed away on the property here and um uh, you know, it's just uh, the building just seems to be a, a magnet for, for the paranormal activity like that. It's very strong. Over 200 people died in one place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was so weird. I had a I had what we call a public investigation where we just have one or two investigators want to go and they want to bring a whole group in. You know, they can come in and spend the night. We let up to, I think, up to 12 different people and in for a 12-hour period on the public's. I had a young man who is a high-functioning autistic, and he's actually attained the the uh, level of the Eagle Scout now. Um, he does pretty well. Uh, but he came in here, and they mobbed him. It was amazing. He was getting touched. He got EVPs. It's just, it was just like everybody from the, the I think the disabled, uh, the home for the disabled, uh, on that end, just kind of. Just kind of stayed around him all night, and uh, it was, it was kind of fun to watch. With him. Exactly, exactly. That was. A was he scared at all? No, he's a pretty good ghost hunter. He uh, he he did real well with it. He was uh, he was certainly a little overwhelmed, I think, but he he handled it real well. Him and the mom, his mom were with us for for uh, just about the full twelve hours, and they, he just had a blast. Uh, first time he'd really gotten really good EVPs and things. Um, wow. Yeah. Do you do you bring other uh uh beings into the let's say uh animal something you know to see their reactions or anything like that? And like how yeah. many research go? We have um actually uh strange story my caregiver I had a I had a stroke and a heart attack simultaneously in 2011 and uh, survived that. My hospital still calls me the miracle man. And my caregiver, uh, actually, um, uh, I, she took care of me up until the time before I moved over here. And um, it's strange. It's almost like some replacement. Uh, I had been involved in so much of her life, like she needed a replacement for me. And it was provided one morning. She was out here uh, taking pictures here at Ashmore. And a little, uh, oh, she could have been much over eight weeks old, a little blue healer puppy, uh, full-blooded Australian cattle dog blue healer, come running up to her just like she'd known her forever. And they have, stag dogs just been amazing. I mean, uh, and she goes in that building, and she, you see her, uh, she will sit and look at things. She'll bark at things that aren't there. Um I say, I tell people a lot of times when we get touched or we get someone in the face, it almost feels like a cobweb on your face. And um, you can see her brushing her nose like she's trying to get something off. And, you know, Karen and I one will say, okay, well, back up. You're you're messing with her, you know, and it'll stop. And, uh, yeah, dogs, uh, we've had a couple of dogs in here, and it's fun to watch the way they react to different rooms. And, uh, um I haven't brought a cat in yet. That would be interesting. I don't know. They're so independent, so it's hard to tell. But, um, yeah, that, uh, it's certainly fun to see their reactions to the different things in here. Hello. Who's here again? Are you there, Sharp? I can 
Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Are you there? Yeah, yes. I'm sorry about that. Ah, okay. Okay, good. I'm glad you stayed on. If that happens again, just hang on and I'm calling you and I'll call right back in. Okay. So it drops again. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. I'm All right. still here. All right, good. <laughs> so, uh, the, the dog was responding to what was there, and um, um, I find it just very interesting that sometimes uh, babies will respond to spirits also, and they yeah. just the babies kind of take it for granted somebody's really there. So um, I don't know anybody that would take a baby into that place. So. No, really, I I don't know that I don't know that I would, but um, yeah, they're so innocent. And you know they don't have mm-hmm. these uh, ghosts or bad kind of things built into their minds, you know. And ghosts are scary. And um, if they don't know that, they don't they don't think about it. You know, they're just seeing them. And and I think the spirits know that too. I think that's why they allow okay. themselves to be seen. Um, they love that that childhood innocence too. So, yeah. yeah. So what are Off spirits? Life. What are they? People what's ask your, what's me. Your on that? Yeah. Um, people ask me that all the time, and, and I said my bio there is they're not the cult, the occult. They're not really the supernatural anything. I think they're more, we're finding out they're more and more science. You know, there is a, an element, of course, of, of your personality uh, kind of transferring out of the body. And I guess we could certainly call that supernatural. But uh, it has a lot to do with just the electro. Uh, it all kind of comes back to the the uh, scientific standard of energy can neither be created or destroyed, and the human body is certainly energy. So that energy of our personality and things has to go somewhere. And uh, even I think it was Edison even said that we should be able to develop a. a uh, a piece of equipment that, that can detect that energy of the body. You know, it's been Tesla. They've all had theories about it for a long time. And uh, so I tell people it's just it's energy and science. That's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. Okay. So you um, uh, have uh, a lot of equipment. So which can you tell us a little bit about the equipment, how it works, and what's your favorite equipment? Yeah, I, I try and... Um, I try and watch what kind of what other people are doing. I'm I'm not a, a big bucks guy. I'm not rich certainly, so I can't go out and buy the latest toys. But you kind of have to watch the the principles that maybe some new piece of equipment's working on, and there may be ways to accomplish that. Uh, uh, a good example is the Xbox Connect system. Uh, we've we've uh, kind of adapted that to ghost hunting now, and it's strange. It's it's of course used in the game system for tracking motion of the player. Like you're fighting, you know, and this thing's watching you and it's actually transferring your movements into the game. Well, we've, we've seen now that it will not only pick up human movement like that and assigns a little green stick figure to to you, uh, but it's seeing things that are not there too and actually giving them the little stick figure, you know, little human figure. And uh, to see that on the screen when you know that, you know, there's nobody sitting next to you, but all of a sudden there's another little stick figure just like you. That's just, that thing amazing. Yeah, yeah. It is. And we had the a, voice thing kind of freaks me out, too, because now you can actually hear 
voices, but do you, okay, this is what I was wondering about. Does the machine itself like accidentally make up a voice or, or do you think it's really recording that voice? You know what I mean? I was thinking maybe there's kind of a glitch because things do sound like words sometimes. Right. Right. Um, that's, uh, we always keep that in the back of our minds. You know, you don't ever want to go into this stuff and not having a certain amount of skepticism. And right. um, I think I'm, I'm certainly still that way. Uh, anything like that, uh, ghost boxes are a good example. You know, a lot of them scan radio waves, scan radio frequencies very quickly. And, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, they're just picking up things the DJ saying, you know, as it goes through and you and your words. Um which uh, certainly it does happen. You'll hear something mm-hmm. occasionally from a DJ or a snippet of a song, something like that, as it's scanning through. But then you hear words that, <laughs> rather bad words that no DJ yep. can say and keep his job. So, you know, uh, when hmm. you, you get something like that, then you kind of have to think there's something else going on there. And uh, we certainly know it's a matter of, Several theories on where these voices are coming from, static electricity, electromagnetic energy in the audio spectrum. You know, there's several different things. Um, a water making those up. Since our ears can't always hear them, you know, you have to have the recording to do it. Uh, so there are lots of different things there that we're exploring, and I think we're getting a lot closer on them. There have been some pieces of equipment coming out that uh, uh, are just beyond belief. Uh, I've heard of some clips of people recognizing the voices of family members, you know, and getting to talk to family members and things. And it's just, uh, I think we're real close to some serious breakthroughs in it. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, I think to some, it may help their faith if if that is true. They could talk to family members that have gone on. And others, I can yeah. see how it could become an obsession, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, when you get into those sort of things, you know, that kind of ground where you're dealing more with human emotions and stuff. Um, you know, I don't know about the ability to talk to somebody who's passed on like that. Is that good? Is that bad? I'm, I'm not sure. But certainly, when they tell you, I've heard a couple of clips recently where they say they're happy and it's beautiful where they are. And, yeah, they you know, are. Uh, heard a couple say that they're, you know, they're going to go ahead and cross over now. And uh, it's just uh, that can certainly be uh, a help to us, I think. Maybe we won't fear death quite as bad, you know. It's uh, a lot of people have to deal with that. And if we know a little more about what's going to happen after you're gone, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, uh, if you have faith and believe that, there actually is no real death. It's almost like you move into another dimension, you know. And uh, I mean that in a healthy way, not in a way that people want to take off and go to Kitsune next Star to go over there. You know what I mean? But yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a, a way that uh, everybody can take personal responsibility and develop their spirituality and then uh, have common sense about this whole thing because there's going to be more, not less of this happening. Because look at how far yeah, we've come in the last 100 and 150 years. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, things are happening in science, too, that's just uh, yeah. making people look at different things. Uh, quantum theories. And uh, I saw an article about them thinking time travel now is very possible, you know. And it's mm. just, uh, 
we're at an age where things are going to start happening so rapid fire here, it's going to be tough to keep up with it. Right. Look at some of the things we're doing in some of the science fiction uh, uh, movies from a long time ago. We're already doing more than what they could do. So it It is. (laughs) It's incredible because, uh, you know, people from 100 years ago, would be totally amazed at what's going on now with everything. It's just, it's incredible, really. And I yeah. have, you know, I have uh, lost a family member uh, back when I was 19. Uh, she lived to be 109. And she used to mm. tell me some outrageous stuff about the Civil War, and I was thinking, could this be possible? Oh, wow. She could talk about yeah. these people, and she would talk about it. And then uh, the records, uh, they were with... Uh, some uh, Civil War uh, Union, uh, you know, leader. And uh, mm-hmm. one of my uncles or some or her uncle, something like that, uh, she was able to talk about them because they really relate stories. And she remembered it all. You know, it yeah. was, like, stunning. Like, she was actually a time machine herself. If she can yeah. remember, yeah. she's actually speaking <laughs> from, if she's, like, 106, 109, if she, so she's, she will remember being six. Or, or nine, let's say. Mm-hmm. And she could exactly. tell you stories of when she saw, what's his name walk by? You know, it could be somebody from wow. the Civil War. I don't know. It's crazy, I know. Yeah, you know, no, but no, definitely. It, it was impressive to me. Yeah, yeah. I had a good friend who was in his late 90s in Memphis that uh, I used to used to drive him around occasionally. He was a member of my church, and, and I would uh, go over and take him and, and take him. He was going blind, couldn't drive his car anymore, so I'd take him to stores and out to eat for lunch and things like that. And he had some of those amazing stories. Uh, he went to Princeton, and um, he, we were talking one day, and I said something about Einstein. He said, oh, yes, I fell asleep in one of his lectures. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> It is. It's mind-boggling to talk to these people that were there. I know. (laughs) Yep, I fell asleep right in the middle of one of his lectures. Oh, it was so boring. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, one time I was at, uh, because, you know, now I'm older, you know, it's kind of like I'm in a time warp, because I don't feel as old as I am, really. But I was in a recovery group. Uh, I had a bunch of girls that I was talking I was a leader of that group. It was domestic violence. This happened about 10 years ago. So all of a sudden, everybody started talking about concerts they've been to. Because people that have really stressful lives don't really get to go to concerts. Or if they're using drugs or in prison a lot and stuff like that. So anyway, we started talking about the concert, their first concert they ever went to, who was playing. And so I kept going around the circle. Oh, I went to this one, that one. And the uh, girl next to me said uh, that once said she saw these are like new bands, right? And then they started mm-hmm. talking about the tribute bands they saw. So the girl next to me said, uh, "I went to the tribute band for the uh, uh, Jim Morrison Doors." And then they uh-huh. said, right, "Okay, what's your turn? What's your turn, Miss McCain? What did you see?" I said, "I saw the Doors." <laughs> I know I I saw them myself. (laughs) So it was really cute. I know it was it was the perfect uh, setup for me really. So I got a blast out of it, you know. But I have people now that I talk to are so young coming in that I counsel, they don't they don't even know who the Beatles are, the Stones or anything. I was like, Oh my god, 
My kids know all that. They didn't, you know, are you under a rock or what? Anyway, um, Mm -hmm. now we're at the first hour. So if you guys want to call in and ask our guests tonight any questions, the phone number is 619-924-9744. And people have been waiting on the phone line, so so let me know. Press 1 and let me know if you want to come on the air and ask our um, guests questions. So. Yes, somebody Absolutely. is talking. Uh, Sharon, Sharon uh, Kennison is asking, would time travel be something that you would worry about, messing up the world's timeline? Or do you think that it would have any effect on the past? Hmm, good question. You know, it's that's certainly uh, something that the future would have to deal with. I, I, Hollywood's been dealing with it for a while. You know, it's that old thing that you cannot change anything in the timeline or you're going to, uh, you know, uh, what is it about the butterfly falling in the, the meadow or something changes everything in the world? Uh, that's certainly something to deal with. I, I've always kind of had that thought in the back of the mind, mind that it does happen, uh, or had, does happen in the future sometime. You see things like the picture, there have been several pictures coming around lately of uh, the lady walking behind Charlie Chaplin talking on a cell phone, you know, or the yeah. the guy standing in the old. Victorian crowd wearing modern clothes and jackets and a printed T-shirt and sunglasses. And um, I always go back to the story of when the Titanic was sinking. Supposedly, a ship was spotted very close to it, and yet they couldn't hail it. They couldn't respond. It didn't respond or anything. And I'm thinking, yeah, this could be a shipload of time travelers who want to see the Titanic. You know. Uh, certainly uh, lately this thing with this girl who has been at all the mass shootings. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's totally shocked or what, but it's, some of it's pretty dang funny, though, because I see the ones that are funny. Yeah. They're really funny. You know, but I'm not I sure about it. Yeah, maybe she's a time-traveling college student doing her master's thesis on the the uh, 21st century mass shootings or something. You know, she sure seems she sure looks the same. Uh, it's just it's hard to say. And um, maybe some of these things we see, think of it, some of the things we see flying around in our atmosphere may may be just hours from the future. You know, it's mm. it kind of boggles the mind when you get into those sort of things. You start bumping up against well, the limits of your imagination. <laughs> it will. Um, so uh, what are your uh, current, current project? One big project is for you to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I can tell a story. Uh, um, we finally figured out uh, I had a problem in January. I got real dizzy again like I did at the beginning of my stroke in 2011. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Actually, two stories in there. I was in the back of the mobile home here in the bedroom, and I was by myself at that time. And um, I was so dizzy, like it did my stroke, that I couldn't even sit up. Uh, but my cell phone was in the kitchen, and I needed to get to it to um, uh, to call an ambulance. Um, we have a spirit here on the third floor of a, a nurse. Uh, we've gotten two ghost boxes and EVPs and things of a nurse who loves, likes to be called mom, her mother, and I, she's kind of a you know the kind of controlling type. We get a lot of gruff voices and things, or giving commands. And um, 
I've been told by a couple of mediums, mediums and psychics that she kind of likes me. Uh, she's kind of she's taking a liking to me because I'm around so much. And I had mm-hmm. one come through shortly after that, and she said something happened the other night, didn't it? Here a couple weeks ago, didn't it? I said, yeah, I had, I had trouble, and I, and she's like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I said, I don't know how I got from the bedroom to the kitchen, and she just kind of winked at me and said, Mom carried you. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, okay. wow. Yeah, that's what she got. So, uh, you know, but um, I went to Barnes Jewish Hospital. Funny part of the story, I went to Barnes Jewish Hospital, and they discovered this. They said, you have abnormal arteries in your brain, and one of them has some clots in it, and they're thinking maybe that's what caused my first stroke, and they're thinking maybe it released a few clots because I'd been off my blood thinner for a while, and maybe that's what mm-hmm. caused me to get dizzy. Well, I had a whole group of Washington University student doctors and doctors, you know, brain. These are neurology guys and everything. And there was one little Asian doctor in the back, and he was standing. He was obviously an instructor or something, an older gentleman. And you could cut the tension in the room as they're telling me, you know, that this this thing is a possible aneurysm, and I have these abnormal arteries. And I noticed he was kind of smiling back there, and, and they knew what I what I do, what I what I was into. And uh, I said. Yes. Is there something you want to add? And he says, "Yeah." He said, it, "It's it's kind of funny. Uh, you're you're paranormal. Your brain abnormal." <laughs> <laughs> we all laughed. It was just funny. I said, "Thank you for funny. that, Doc." I needed to. <laughs> you're paranormal. Your brain abnormal. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people would say that. <laughs> so, hmm. Do they think there's a correlation? Like, what are the scientists telling you? Um, I there may be it may be something like that is why I've been interested in all this stuff. They're not really saying mm-hmm. uh, they want me to try and you know uh, the certainly the the aneurysm that I had fixed. Um, my doctor came in, kind of my surgeon came in, kind of a shock look on his face, and uh, I said, you know, what's the matter? It did not go good. And he says, oh no, on the contrary. He says it happens about once a year that I fix, you know, I fix a lot of these things. And he says, it happens once a year that I fix one that heals perfectly. And he said, yours wow. perfectly. So he said, it's gone. It's not there anymore. So, you know, I, I start to wonder about things like that. You know, they're... It's a beautiful if, um, thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If what we do can affect our life that much or, or quite what, can she care of me? You know, did somebody certainly put in a good word to heal me or something. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Well, I think it's a, it's, it does happen. Um, I yeah. had a stomach ache. Uh, I think this was in the early 80s. And uh, I had a stomach ache, so I was in the hospital a couple of times. And uh, while they were doing exploratory surgery, they uh, had a block in my intestine or something. But they had uh, uh, taken... Out, you know, back then they used to go ahead and take something out even if you didn't give permission. I got mad at first because they said, "Well, we took out your uh, appendix while we were in there." I was like, "What the hell? I didn't give you. I didn't say you could take out my appendix." Anyway, they used to do that. Jeez, I know. So anyway, so uh, the doctor came in. He said, "I remember his name was Doctor Boring." Got rid of his soul. But uh, he sat, came and sat on the bed, which I thought was weird, too. And then he just told me that, and I, I started to get mad. And then he said, but I have something to tell you. What have you done to change the last year? And uh, so this was, uh, you know, I went into recovery. So 
it was 1981. So by then, this was like a year later, 1982. That's that's how it happened. And uh, anyway, I said, well, that's what I did. You know, I went to recovery. I've been doing this and that and, you know, a whole new way of life and all that. He said, whatever you're doing, uh, keep doing it. Because when I went in there and did that, he said, I... uh, you had cancer of the appendix. And I went, oh, my God. Oh, wow. he, said, he said, usually it's your number's up because we don't find it till it's too late. He said, but your body had somewhere along the line uh, uh, encased it with tissue, and all that had to do was take it out. You don't even need uh, chemo. And I looked at him. I was trying to get what he was saying because, to me, I always thought cancer <laughs> was, like, fast-moving and all that. Yeah. He said, he said, this is a miracle, and I don't even know how it happened, but he said, keep doing mm. what you're doing. And he did pass after that, but I always felt that uh, he said, I'm going to put you in a paper. Is that okay? I went, yes. You know, and yeah. I do believe there's going to be a cure for cancer because of that. I've always felt that way. Yeah. There's going to be a cure for cancer because what happened to me was a miracle. I haven't heard of a mechanism by which tissue can cover cancer up, and uh, prepare it so the doctor just takes it oh. out, but it's all encased. It, has a, it kept it from spreading. So I don't that's, know uh, what that is. That's weird. It's weird when you see, okay, I didn't think it was too yeah. weird. I thought, okay, it's great, it's a miracle. But then I started thinking about how cancer grows. I went, this is really weird that it, the tissue would cover it fast enough to stop it. Yeah, That's the well, weird part kid. to me. You that's know, so amazing. I think they're going to find out these things. You know, I've had many friends that have had a lot of strange illnesses that were coming back, you know. It's, it's strokes mm-hmm. are scary, though. They, they scare me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but they're they, not uh, painful, per se, I don't think. Any age, any time. What's that? I'm sorry? I don't think they're painful. Uh, are they? Not, um... Not really. Mine was just, of course, it was it was a brain. I actually had a clot in the brain in the balance center of my brain stem, uh, so okay. I didn't have the, the certainly the heavy paralysis. I lost my swallow response, and my entire left side was numb, and I lost and I lost the ability to walk and things, and mostly being weak. I didn't have the bad left or right side paralysis like yeah. a lot of people. Um, but I did need to learn to walk again, and learning to swallow again was a was a terrible thing to do. But I finally got that done. Wow. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I you know it set me on a mission. A lot of times, a lot of the events and things that I put on, or or uh, anything that comes in sales of my T-shirts and things, they all money all goes to the National Stroke Association. It's kind of been, become my little favorite charity, and. Um, it's certainly they can happen to anybody, and uh, I think some can be painful. But I think a lot of times it's just more the the frightening factor of of you know losing uh, loss of your uh, right side, you know, your arm and leg, and and uh, yeah, they're some terrible stories. We have some amazing new drugs now, though. That's they, we teach people. I tell people all the time: learn the symptoms, and if you can get in there early enough, these new clot-busting drugs, you can walk back out of the hospital. You know, uh, still in one piece and in good shape. Uh, we got some amazing new medicines to take care of. So, yeah, that's right. And yeah. remember, I think everybody should start. Uh, Carrying an aspirin with them. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't recommend anything. But you also have to be kind of smart about that aspirin and not stupid like me because I put one in my mouth one time because I started feeling like stress in my chest. So I, I put one under my tongue like they're supposed to, right? 
And I just drove mm-hmm. home. I said, okay, I just need to rest. I just need to get home from work and rest. And I came home. The thing hadn't dissolved yet because it was a coated aspirin. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, 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 you can't be a stupid idiot at the same time. <laughs> 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 so get the little aspirin that melts in your under your tongue. Do not get the coating one because they'll never. They don't. They don't melt. Okay, that's all I'm saying. That's my little bit of advice. Get the right kind. Yeah. I know it's so stupid. I could have died. Yeah, really? <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> Oh, really, man. and then you know, then when you're like that, you're stressed. You're not really thinking, "Am I doing the right thing or whatever?" But, well, okay, no. just get uncoated ones, you know, and or chew it. That would be another way, I guess, you could do it. But, but that's what they do. They they give you an aspirin real quick when you get to the hospital. Yeah, I actually took one before I left, and then uh, I told the doctors, "You're like, good. I'm, I'm glad you did. That that was yeah. that was important because it, my my previous cardiologist had taken me off of my blood thinners, and they say hmm. that's what allowed the clots to come loose and uh, oh, move boy. like that. So he put me back on the blood thinner. So taking an aspirin, being a blood thinner, that was the right thing to do. So that yeah, was fortunate yeah. that I just knew that. Yeah. Yeah, and Glenn it, was saying he's in chat. He was saying it doesn't work in all cases, but I guess just uh, you know we're just talking about it, but you know it's all do- it's all to your doctor between you and your doctor really, and uh, we're just talking about what happened. So um, anyway, so I guess hello, hello, yeah, I got you. You know what was weird is that I did develop a clot. <laughs> hello, uh, I don't want to mess with that. I just got I'm gonna get scared if I start faking like I'm an EDT or something. <laughs> Get in trouble on here. We'll probably blow this whole thing up. But anyway, I am. It's scary. It's scary. So I have heard ghosts and people, okay, they're calling from a counted house, right? I've heard the ghosts mm-hmm. in the background. And when that first happened to me, I just hung in there no matter what. I was praying. I just kept going. And then I messaged him after. I said, I want you to check with your sound people and see if uh, you heard what I heard, and he said, yes, he heard it. There was a lot of voices, like I'd ask him a question, and they would answer. Mm-hmm. You know, they would answer like a chorus. You know, you hear, hear like a talking chorus in Greek plays. That was what was going yeah. on. You yeah. know, and that was I had a, friend a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I had a friend who was a musician called me one time, and she had an old tube amplifier. And she's every time I turn this thing on, I start hearing words coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's possible. <laughs> it, it, it is possible. So everybody, you know, this is really a stroke identification night. You know, I had a blood clot too, and uh, my grandmother actually, my grandmother who has passed, but she's from the old country. And I woke up one night, and uh, she's meaning Greece. She was in all black, like they wear over the black over their head, you know, the shawl, and then she was all in black, oh, and she yeah. was sitting on the end of my bed, and it scared the hell out of me when I saw her. <laughs> I went because it was like the apparition of the dead, you know what I mean? And she scared me anyway in real life because she was very psyched. And uh, it made me think, though. And so the next morning I went to the doctor, and uh, I told the doctor um, – I want to see uh, see the results of my chart when I did that uh, scan for my leg because I had been doing counseling like till 12 midnight. It was really stupid. I was uh, covering for a friend 
No, not a friend. Yeah. I know that well, she's a friend, but a co-worker, I cover for her till midnight. If I do my whole uh, caseload, then I go over and do hers. And mm-hmm. I wasn't getting home till like 1 in the morning, so I take the last one and then I needed uh, an hour to get home. So I wasn't getting home till 1 in the morning, actually. But anyway, so I, she said, no, that was all negative. And I went, Doug, I grabbed the chart. She says, you can't read your chart. I said, yes, I can. <laughs> And I opened it right to the right page, and it said positive for deep vein thrombosis. I had a clot. And she looked at me in horror. She said, how did you know that? I said, my yaya came to me. She said, your grandma? Because it turned out she studied in Greece. She said, yeah, Yeah. your your grandmother? I said, yes. She said, well, I believe you because she said her father had visited her for a month after he died. He was there every day for a month. Wow. Yeah. And she would just go yeah, walk by his chair there. It would be sitting there and she'd just keep walking. You know, but my mm-hmm. yaya saved me. And then I I hated the, the blood thinners. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I hated it. I hated yeah. the clinic. And there's everybody of all ages in that clinic. I was thinking, why, why are so many blood clot issues? You know, is there something yeah. that's been going on in our environment? Because there was people of all ages, all ages, sizes, and... Men, women, kids, they're all in there, and it's really spooky to me. Unfortunately, all these things that we've been doing to our food, preservatives and and genes and uh, genetic engineering, I guess, and that sort of thing, it's hard to say how this stuff's going to affect us. You know, it may be um, the, the all of a sudden a surge in ADHD, of which I have, adult ADHD. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... Could that come from uh, preservatives and food or something like that? Who knows? You know, we're, these things that we're just going to have to watch for to go on through life and watch for trends and things. And uh, some of them you, you just can't reverse. You know, so. Right. I just no, wonder that could about be the that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's your next? Uh, what's next deal? What you're focused on? Now is getting your health and the word out and uh, taking care of the Ashford Ash estate. Uh, what right. is uh, the next deal? Well, um, yeah, it's gonna, uh, uh, I have my girlfriend, Christine Parsons, is with him here now, and we're taking care of Ashmore. And I think I'm probably going to do that probably through most of this year. Uh, I'm thinking maybe next spring I'm going to try and go ahead and make the Route 66 trip. Uh, I'm hoping to. Cool. Um, the health issues that I had so much, and, and uh, I'm rebuilding the, my motor home and, and the vehicle that's going to go behind it since I don't want to get stuck in the New Mexico desert somewhere. No. Everything's <laughs> right on them. So I've been rebuilding everything about it and customizing it more into kind of like a rolling paranormal lab. Uh, so um, I'll get it finished up and, and uh, get Ashmore out of my system here, and then uh, we'll move on to more adventures like that. So and take off down Route 66. It's just uh, awesome. It's Can you sound a girl that's going to get on board with this? You would, believe it or not. She <laughs> loves ghosts as much as I do. It's amazing. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. she amazes me sometimes. She goes over there by herself in that building and sweeps away, and I'm like, boy, there, there are grown, tough men who won't go into that building by themselves, sweetheart. <laughs> she, uh, and she gets growled at, and she gets her hair pulled and, you know, things like that. She just kind of... She enjoys it all. <laughs> so, she she doesn't get she's scared. I want it all. He's growled at me. What's that? Sorry. She doesn't get scared over there when they uh, uh, growl or touch her, touch her or anything. 
Not really. She's pretty tough about it. Um, there's one room that she does not like. And she goes in there to sleep, and she's out of there in just a minute or two. I don't know how well it gets swept, but uh, uh, she was walking past it the other day, and something growled at her, and uh, that kind of shook her up a little bit. Uh, we were in there actually doing an EVP session, and, and uh, a lot of a lot of ghost hunters have experienced the room just getting darker. You know, the room's already dark, but mm-hmm. for some reason it just gets darker and heavier. And uh, yeah, that was the only time I've actually heard her say, David, can you come a little closer? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but she she handles it like a trooper. She, she's pretty good with it. She, uh, she's one of the sweeps and things. She'll, yeah, she'll, uh, she'll take her digital voice recorder over there while she's sweeping. And uh, the, we found that they respond to her. She plays her music on her telephone when she's sweeping. And um, she had to go through music types. And said the entire atmosphere around her changed when she started playing doo-wop. They love 50s, uh, 50s doo-wop. And so she plays a lot of that a lot of times over there for them. And um, I think they I think they uh, kind of fond of her now. So that's why she gets a lot of that over there. I think that's great. And I think that uh, to sound, it's better when you have a companion. That's the way I feel. It's, uh, especially companion yeah. on the road. You, know, you can support each other and... Uh, it's not as lonely, but it's also you keep each other on even kill and say, because um, you uh, have you had any concern of uh, let's say attachment things? Not really. I've had a couple of things through the years, and it's really um, I have much problem with them. Um, things like demons and things. I've I've never encountered a demon. I would. Uh, I know there are bad things out there. I've encountered an awful lot of bad spirits who pretend to be bad things. Um, hmm. But I can usually tell on them with, with a few questions and just kind of the uh, seeing how how serious they are about things. Um, I tell people, you know, if you were a bad person in life, you're going to be a bad person after you pass on. It just kind of seems to be the way it is. You're kind of the same person. And you get some folks like, on the third floor here, which was the worst here at Ashmore in the psychiatric yeah. hospital. There were some bad dudes up there. and um, um, But um, they uh, they seem to be, I've been told recently by some of the mediums and things I've been through, that the good spirits here are so happy with uh, with everything that's going on with us fixing for the building and everything that they, uh, they kind of keep the bad things in check. So... I, I like yeah. that idea. If that is true, so, I think yeah. I think. Uh, well, as I ask usually ghost hunters and things like that, do you uh, have personal protection before you go in there? I do. I do. I have a full half-sleeve tattoo of Saint Michael on my right arm, and I actually got that right before the stroke. And uh, you can see it in the pictures of me in the hospital bed that I think that he kind of pulled that through. He's kind of my my personal protector, and maybe that's the reason why I haven't really had much trouble. Um, <laughs> I had to have actually. I, I have a good friend who is a uh, who is a medium, and mm-hmm. um, she sees sees things here and there. And um, I was had to have. Uh, I went to a cardiac cath the other day. My doctor wanted to check a stent that he put in, some other things. And I was laying in the room getting ready to go up to the cath lab. And uh, my friend came in, and she was in there with me for a few minutes. I noticed she was kind of uneasy. And um, I asked her later, I said, what was that about? What, what was wrong with you in that room? And she says, 
there was a really big angel in there. With you. <laughs> oh, that was Michael. Don't about it. <laughs> wow. It's strange that she would see him, but she's like, hey, you know, I've never seen anything like that. A really big angel. <laughs> so uh, I like wow. that. He, he, he I like it too. Now. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's a, really I think that you pray and go in and have that protection, and um, yeah. that there is that that there is uh, people that look out for us on the other side. You know, people or beings yeah. or you know, positive uh, angelic uh, things. And um, now we have a question here. Um, how 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 is it? Are you, did you guys decorate and everything for uh, Christmas? We did. Last year, I put up just a Christmas tree. And, um, again, you can feel the atmosphere of the place change. And I had people come through that um, EVPs and, and certainly psychics and mediums all say, and they just love that. You know, this is the first, I said it's the first Christmas decoration they probably had in 30, 35 years. You know, I don't know if they can tell time or not, but it had to be, you know, something different for them. And, uh, uh, the place just seemed happier. And so this year we've gone all out. Uh, yeah, certainly if you look at any of the pictures on Facebook of Ashbourne States, we've got uh, Christmas lights all over the front of the building. We've got trees in both porches and lots of gifts under the tree they can come play with. We have a lot of child spirits, and um, they uh, can come in and play with the toys and things. And it's uh, uh, it certainly brightens the place up. And, um, yeah, the activity, you know, they they really seem like they appreciate it. It's just strange to say, but you can get measured increases in activity like that. That certainly telling you something. It is because if you can just imagine the gray zone that they must be in, and to actually see all that, um, yeah, uh, I I feel like everybody responds to Christmas stuff for some reason. There's a Mm-hmm. Uh, one time the girls I uh, was counseling, we decided to throw like a cor- coral, uh, bring in cookies and sing for the people at the Alzheimer, uh, Alzheimer place. And the people, uh, mm. the girls I was working with didn't want to do it, you know, because I made them dress up to wear red bows and white shirts and black, you know, pants and skirts and they they were like gang members and stuff like that and everybody, you know, had been in prison. And uh, they didn't want to do it. And they said, "How are they gonna? How are they going to uh, know what we're doing?" I I looked at her. I said, "Even the worst off person knows Jingle Bells, you know." And yeah. I didn't. I just said it. I didn't know if it was true or not. And sure enough, we started in the in, uh, in the worst ward, you know. And we sang Jingle Bells. They sang Jingle Bells, and they were really Aww. just laying in bed. They couldn't function, but they loved the Jingle Bells. They lit up. They went around from, you know, uh, uh, one place to another to the higher functioning ones, and that happened to be where the Christmas tree was. And uh, they responded so well. It was nice because we ended up with our song was Silent Night, so they could sing with us, and their family was with them, and we all, like, sang and cry around the Christmas tree. It's like, oh, my God. You know, it's, uh, you know, because it's like a bittersweet thing sometimes, but... I think, you know, mm-hmm. the people in the hereafter and here all respond to these songs. It is amazing. It's amazing to have them perk up and, yeah. and connect there for a minute. You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah, think it's yeah. also doing good for others is good for you, you know. So the more we do for others, the happier we're going to be, 
you know. Yeah. Take a little bit yeah, of insurance sure. out of some sure. depression and stuff like that. Just help people. So how do you deal mm-hmm. with skeptics and people that are just aren't on your, your side? <clears throat> yeah, well, I kind of have to just kind of um, be very careful with them, with your words. And uh, uh, certainly, uh, I, I hate to say handle them with kids' gloves, but, uh, you know, you have to kind of walk a fine line of, of making them feel foolish and making you look like a fool. So, uh you know, I I usually go right for the you know it's all about science kind of thing because if you tell them it's uh, it's something uh, you know that uh, they're going to see in an ancient book they're going to meet that demon you know they're going to call you a fool uh, you know so hmm. go into a little more of the science and explain what our equipment does and what the readings it gets and um, I always I try to keep an EVP or uh, pictures or something like that on my telephone. You know, it's a good thing to pull out now and show them and go, hey, you know, can you explain this? This person was not in the building, you know, when you hear the voice. And, uh, um, there's a few things you can do. Some of them won't ever change. Some of them won't ever change their mind. Right. But, again, a lot of times I trace that back to their fear. They don't want to because yeah. if they do, then they're going to be scared. And they're going to be uh, – their movements are going to be inhibited. So, yeah, and why are they around bugging people anyway? If they don't like yeah. it, stay away. But they always seem to have to negate somebody else's experience because I guess they're driven to uh, negate other people's experiences because they're, yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, because I, I just feel like, what are you doing here then? If this is the way you feel, yeah. why are you sitting here? Like, I don't get how you yeah. got here then. Because so, stuff, I'm not interested. I'm not there. You know, I just don't mm-hmm. gravitate towards whatever that is, you know. But uh, are yeah. you keeping a log of people's experiences that go in there? And uh, do you keep your own logs of what's going on? You know, I really should. I hate to say it, but I, but I haven't been, but I really uh, I really should. Um, we are certainly getting them. Um, we, we tell everyone to please send back your evidence to us. Uh, it's eventually going to be posted a lot on our website and uh, we're hoping to start building kind of a library of the things that have happened here like that. Um, I try, yeah. do try and keep track of a lot of the things that happen because I can relay those on my tour that I give initially as it comes in, things to watch for and our known spirits and things. So uh, I certainly try with that sort of thing right. to, to keep good track of it. I could certainly do better, though. So, yeah. Yeah. I admit um, fault there. Um, I do a good resolution for the new year. Keep better track. <laughs> yeah, that's a good New Year's resolution. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, most of us are in the same thing. We're not keeping track of our dreams, we're not keeping track of our experiences. And I was wondering if somebody's keeping track over there because if people are coming in and out and say, you know, this happened, that happened and try to log the time and day or maybe just keep a log mm-hmm. at the entry and people can do it when they leave or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe a little form or something like that to kind of write down kind of what they got. It's not a bad idea at all. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, we have another uh, uh, comment from Sharon in in the the lobby here. I think having Mm -hmm. a skeptic can sometimes keep an investigation grounded because this is the person who will often look for the answer and keep a lot of false evidence from being labeled as true. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. She's exactly right there. 
Yeah, she's exactly right. They're good to have around. We, we definitely need them. And uh, like I said yeah. earlier, you have to have a little bit of skepticism in you to do this correctly. And, uh, right. Uh, you know, just accept everything as, as paranormal um, certainly isn't going to get you anywhere. So, um, yeah, she's right. That's good. To, it's good to have, especially your one on a team like that one who is who kind of classes themselves as a skeptic and and follows that line. And it's good to, to, to even play off each other in the team like that. It's just you, you say something happy that the skeptics that know they're going, are you sure? You know, it's a good way to kind of review things from a different right. angle and things. So that's a very good idea. Well, there was a, uh, uh, a paranormal report um, from, let me see their name. I can't find their name. Anyway, it was a, a paranormal report Oh, the second revolution, and um, they were saying that uh, that there was like top ten uh, paranormal uh, phenomena reported. They had actually some three thousand one hundred questionnaires completed by people that said they had uh, one type of paranormal experiences, and that um, that they're more experienced by women than men, and that the there's a certain parts of uh, uh, paranormal experiences in certain countries. And as much as our government is trying to keep a lid on Americans, we have a lot of paranormal experiences here. I mean, a tremendous yeah. amount, whether it's UFO, Sasquatch, or anything else, we have a lot of strange things happening. And then mm-hmm. uh, some some uh, uh, said that, They've had near-death experiences that are pleasant and life-affirming, but for some, there is not. You know that. Uh, you know it's it's uh, the paranormal experiences seem to uh, the when it happens, people want to seek help, let's say from a psychic or clairvoyant or something else. So it's going over like mm-hmm. the general rule of what makes us tick and why we do these things. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, the, Why we look. the thing from thing from around the world, it's it's kind of. I wonder if it's because of our freedom, we're able to say things more and report things more. I sometimes wonder what the rest of the world who has a government that's repressive or something like that. You know, they don't want to want to say anything about what happened. Um, I think we know there's a lot of uh, a lot of things Russia says about UFOs that I'd like to know more about. You know, and apparently our government doesn't really want to want us to know. You know, I think there are lots of other countries that have more information that that uh, our government will quite want us to have on that sort of thing. So, well, uh, you're our, always going to have to deal with politics in there too. Yeah, the politics and everything else. But you know, our government has involved themselves with uh, the paranormal. Let's say the remote viewing. Mm-hmm. You know, seems to have mm-hmm. been noticed by the government, and they've trained people for it, and they've used it. Especially during right. the Cold War. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I sometimes wonder how much of that. I sound like conspiracy theorist, but I, mean, I wonder how much that stuff is covered up. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think uh, the remote viewing experiments were were a good example. Uh, you know, what's with Area 51? What's really there? You know, that's been a question we've been asking for how long now? And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot that that they don't want us to know quite yet, or or um, they're afraid we're not ready for it quite what. So. so what's your account for a lot of things happening to us when we're kids and then 
in uh, adolescence, why uh, uh, a lot of teenagers uh, experience a lot of uh, ghostly activity or strange things going on, and kids. Like, what do you what do you think that's about? I think it's um. I don't know. I sometimes wonder if it isn't uh, maybe something to do with hormonal changes at puberty, and uh, I see a lot right around that age. Um, we see a lot of them who seem to be what's being referred to now as poltergeist agents. You know, they're, uh, they have a lot of poltergeist activity in the house, and and pretty soon we find out that there is there is almost always a teenager involved. Uh, you know, they're in the mm-hmm. house, and uh, yeah. it seems to be a real common denominator in those. And a lot of that could be uh, tele- uncontrolled telekinetic energy from the child or, or something affecting the spirits in the house. And uh, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's it's a maturing process that kind of sets off a lot of strange things. And um, uh, they don't have the innocence of the children anymore. I think the spirits may be attracted to that. That may have been a... Mm. You know, time and they they uh, they see a little bit of childhood innocence, or they see maturity too, and they want to take that chance on trying to interact more or something. I don't know. There's uh, a lot of different theories there about that, but um, I think uh, certainly in the teenage years, there's uh, things we can't quite explain that happen quite a bit. Um, yeah, they do, and I think some of the uh, children have been helped and embraced because they're finding, the, they call them uh, the rainbow children or crystal children, something like that. Yeah. It seems like mm-hmm. uh, they have been helped and embraced by a certain amount of people. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, which is, I think, a good thing because, you know, when you're a teenager, you're very lonely, even though you're self-imposed isolating. I call it mm-hmm. the secret agent mm-hmm. stage, you know. When they're secret agent stage, they don't really yeah. tell you much about themselves anymore. But it seems like yeah. there are uh, certain people that are embracing these young uh, kids that are have, have the knack. Because I had that all my life, but I was taught to fear what I, I was able to do. You know, because right. I was afraid right. by their by their reactions and also, you know, their uh, their would even give punishment and things like that for just knowing the truth about something. You know, that's pretty messed up if you think about that. Yeah, very true. Well, I think, again, it comes down to the Internet and things. Uh, uh, children, uh, teenagers especially, are a whole lot smarter than they used to be. They, they have their access to information is just right. unlimited. You know, they can get on there and learn anything they want. And uh, uh, I think their self-awareness is increasing about those abilities and things, and we see that. And uh, you remember the old show, Psychic Kids? You know, just yeah. awful lot of teenagers on there going through that. I had a good friend who is uh, has a uh, uh, her and, and a couple other sisters uh, have a, a little shop where they help people and, and uh, give readings and things. And she made a point of having uh, some classes for teenage kids that were having uh, uh, problems with their abilities. And I think, man, that's just the best thing you can do. Uh, I endorse that a hundred percent. You know, to be able to help them kind of grasp before they get overwhelmed these things that are happening to them and what they're getting. So, it's, yeah, because uh, I think anything we could do to help, help them at that stage. Yeah, they yeah. need help. And uh, just imagine if people were, in a positive way, developed for their gifts, you know, instead yeah. of the stuff that we've been dished out in the 50s and 60s 
sixties and yeah. things started getting more accepting after that. But it's uh you know, there's some talented, very talented kids that are squelched because uh mm. of the fear of people around them. You know, and, and well, it's excellent that that's happening better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can't imagine being a teenager and realizing you have the gift to see spirits around you. And um, uh-huh. I think that it's pretty common that when they, when the spirits realize you can see them, for them to kind of overwhelm you. And, and to be a, uh-huh. a teenager just kind of learning life and to be overwhelmed like that, that would just be devastating, I would think. Um, that would be uh, terrible to deal with. So anything we can do to help them, yeah, it's important. It really is because they're, you know, they're the future, and I'd like them to be less schizophrenic than all of us have had to be. You know, like you put <laughs> yeah. it, yeah, because you know we have to. Like there's one world happening, but we act like it's not happening. You know, we try to put it in a box so just to exist. You know, and that's a weird yeah. way to live. You have to be two people. You know, who you really are is somewhere in there, and then the the fake you have to put on. You know, just out of the fear of others. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I have a niece who was who was actually sitting on her um, sitting on my brother and, and my sister in law's mantle uh, one evening in a thunderstorm outside. Lightning actually hit the tree outside, then over to the fireplace and down and into her leg, and she was paralyzed for five days and lost a child. She was still pretty young, but ever since she's had the ability to see and and talk to him. And um, by which we see a lot of times electrical accidents like that. It activates some part of the brain. And I mean, she's uh, uh, test her by taking her. I tell people if you really want to test someone's ability like that, take them to a, to someplace that you know is active and let them right. have a conversation with the spirit and record it. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. mean, with her, we will, you will hear her ask a question. And then you'll hear her pause for a minute, and then she'll turn around and relay what the spirit said. And then we'll get home and we'll go over the taped evidence, and sure enough, you hear an EVP of the spirit saying exactly the answer that she repeated. And I said, well, now when, when you have that kind of thing, you know, there's something definitely there. You know, that's the real thing. So yeah. knowing those abilities exist, we certainly have to deal with that to the ones that do have it and help them. And uh, I know she's, she's had time with it, uh, uh, dealing with it, with being overwhelmed and swamped with them and, and learning things that she didn't want to learn and, and things. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I have had uh, things that I've had to tell God, just I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to dream that anymore yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Just uh, leave me alone. You know, I don't want to. And he honors it. I just say no. But, okay, what Sharon says, do you think that there is actually more of this type of activity, or is it due to a society being more connected, such as through the Internet, so we hear more about it than we did 40 years ago? I think with the Internet and TV shows and things, we certainly are hearing much more about it. Uh, but I also believe that there is more, too. I think just in the, you know, the time that I've been doing it, like I said, I've been around for a long time. And I know in the time that I've been doing it, I certainly see a lot more things happening. Uh, that kind of common phrase right now is the veil is thinning, you know. I know, I hear that over whether and over. This is, yeah, whether this is something that's uh, some kind of traumatic event that's going to come upon mankind or quite what, you know, but... Uh, it does seem to be happening. 
the yeah. amount of energy we're producing and using, adding to it. You know, it's hard to say, but yeah, I think I think things have increased to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So, so you did bring up something that I think is uh, most important too: is that to people uh, going into this, but each, even just living your life, you have to have some kind of spiritual fitness. So, where are you at in the spirituality uh, question here? Yeah, um, pretty, pretty strong. Um, I am Christian. Um, I was saved. Uh, let's see, it's been, oh, 10 years or so ago, 10, 12 years ago, after a very bad relationship, I actually had a bad divorce and then a, uh, a, a failed engagement, um, rather a broken man, uh, laid down in bed one evening in an empty house and prayed for Jesus to save me, you know, to, to help me. And... I had I had actually been baptized a few years before and uh, wasn't wasn't always a good guy, and I like to say I think Jesus wanted to make it stick this time because I actually laying there I actually developed a pain in the five wounds and it was excruciating. It wow! Was like I was being nailed to the cross and I expected to have stigmata. It was so bad, and and I guess the thing that convinced me that it was real was I started feeling the pain in my lower left side. And I couldn't figure out what that what, what in the world is that? You know, I know the hands and the feet with the nails. Uh, you know, what's that? Yeah. And then I remembered the centurion spear, um, the fifth wound. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. I didn't even know what was going on. So if, if I'm just imagining this, how did I make up something that I didn't even remember? And um, yeah. it uh, it took me pretty good. I spent a little bit of time as a lay preacher actually doing tent revivals and um, uh, addressing congregations and things, even my testimony. Uh, I wasn't um, I wasn't a terrible criminal or anything like that before, but I was very self-absorbed and very self-centered and uh, um, did a lot of things I probably shouldn't have done. And, and so I had a pretty good testimony, and it helped a lot of people. And um, I did that, and I kind of... Um, through the years and certainly getting back more into the uh, the paranormal aspects and things, I kind of drifted away from the church. Um, I'm not one. I don't. I can't really embrace the Christian doctrine of of um, staying away from from pagans and that sort of thing. You know, not really not liking them or something like that. I have a lot of great friends who are pagans and who are Wiccans yeah. and. And I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not going to discriminate against these people just because. Uh, you know the uh, book tells me something. Uh, I think uh, I think Jesus and I have my our own relationship now, and and it's very strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly surviving the things I've survived, it's evident that I have a further mission here. So yeah, and uh, I've been told that a lot. So I yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think it is. It's wonderful because you know that you're. Uh, strong enough to just go out there and do your thing and also uh, defend your friends who believe something different because I, I hang around with everybody so I'm with uh, yeah. you know I have a little bit more problem with uh, somebody that is way right you know I have a problem with uh, the cutoff you know that they do but um, oh, yeah. other than that I don't I don't try to stay away from anybody you know and mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like there's a Something we're here for. There is a, each one of us is a different book, and we are presenting 
our version of what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's important that we have this mosaic of people, you know, the chosen for whatever whatever the reason is. And just to go forward, whatever your prompting is or what you're chosen for. You know, because I feel like we yeah. are chosen for something and we we're born to do something that we have to find our purpose, mm-hmm. and that's that's the journey of life. And that's that keeps me going because it's so exciting. I never get bored. There's always something yeah, really, either to worry really. about, <laughs> there's always something to worry about, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to do. And, you know, it's it's like you're alive, you know, and, and yeah. life is precious. And while you're here, you know, explore. We're, I think we're here for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And things are very yeah. mysterious, David. They're very mysterious things. Oh boy! You yeah. know what I mean? I can't figure yeah. m- a lot of it out, you know. But yeah. it is happening, you know. And uh, I don't understand. Very true. But I'm going for it. So we only yeah. have just a couple minutes left. Why don't you tell people about your blog and your website and uh, how people can contact yeah. you and everything? Right. Well, I am a Facebook junkie. I must admit, I guess it's almost like a Facebookaholic. Uh, my name's Dave, and I'm, I'm a Facebookaholic. Uh, <laughs> so you can find me on there, uh, david.h.lowry, or look up the Paranormal Highwaymen. I have uh, my motorhome even have a page, has a page, Paranormal Highwaymen oh, cool. Blackbird. And, uh, so you can find me on Facebook. My website is www.paranormalhighway.com. And uh, it's, uh, it's still up right now, but it's going to go through a major overhaul this winter. I'm hoping to get some time mm-hmm. done. The poor thing gets neglected, I, I say it. But uh, uh, certainly a lot of the things that I uh, talked about tonight are on there, too. And uh, Yeah. Um, so, and, of course, here at Ashmore States, uh, anybody who really wants a good investigation, we're uh, – we're certainly, um, we will be close to the winter here because we have no heat. And believe me, an all-concrete building in the winter is not a mm-hmm. warm place. <laughs> oh, boy. We have, we have a couple of heated rooms for the teams and things, but uh, we, we uh, experienced last winter uh, some of the cold and things. We're just going to, uh, we're going to wait till about April before we start booking anymore. So, uh, yeah. uh, Illinois winter can be very treacherous. So, yes, uh, it's, it's too cold, okay? It's, yeah. Uh I don't unless they have little heaters they can bring with them, you know, it's just too it's just too cold. I don't I don't I used to really like the cold. I lived upstate New York and it used to get twenty below and it's fun when you're a kid. When you get older no. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. No, no. And with my circulation problems and things it's yeah, it's yeah. not good. Definitely. And uh, oh. yeah, but, uh, but next year's going to be a big year because it's our hundredth anniversary. We're going to have a big birthday party awesome. in September with just all sorts of guests and things and events throughout the year uh, celebrating the hundredth year anniversary. So, uh, looking forward to that. It's a good worthwhile trip to see a really historic and very active place. So. Yeah, that's just so good. that's going to be wonderful. So, if I'm uh, from yeah. mobile by then, I'll just take a little trip out of there. So. Uh, I wish you and your uh, significant other all the best, and uh, it's wonderful that uh, you have come back to your health and, um, you know, and that you're doing the good service you're doing for the community. And uh, you're welcome back anytime, and uh, keep up the good work, young man. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And you take care and give my best to your loved ones. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. All your dreams come true. 
There you go. Right back at you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Okay, take care. Merry mm-hmm. Christmas. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, uh, it's it's time for to uh, end the show for the evening. I really appreciate uh, everybody that tuned in, who are on the phone lines or in chat. You know, you're the best peeps of it all. And uh, I want to thank you. Turn in next week, Joni Mayhem, the, the author, is going to be with us. And tonight, I wish you all well. And as you get ready for the uh, all the festivities, remember the reason for the season. I love you all, and God bless you, and take care.